Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Happy returns today on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. We're getting an analyst back, we're getting a segment back, and pretty soon we're getting Noah Syndergaard back. And we're getting you back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Adam Azer, Chris Towers, filling in for... The on the all-star break, Scott White. Hey, Chris. Must be nice for everybody to get to take time off for the all-star break. I wonder what that's like. I didn't take time off for the all-star break. Eh. You took time Didn't off. And you're back. Welcome back. I'm going to be here for the entire all-star break. Eh. Yeah? I'm not sure yet. are you, though? I'm day-to-day. Uh, we will have programming for you, by the way, during the all-star break. We're not sure how many episodes. I would say at least three Possibly four, maybe even five. You never know. Uh, and there's apparently a game on Thursday. There's one game on Thursday night, which is very weird after the All-Star break. Um, hey, hey, real quick, if you're a good commissioner, you will combine the next two scoring periods, the uh, four days after the All-Star break with the following week and make it one big week. And Heath, welcome back. Good to hear from you. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here. Good to hear from you. Not as good as it's going to be to hear from the fantasy regulators who are coming back. Later in the show. Yeah, I, I've got some tweets while I was gone that some people were not taking certain segments as seriously as they should. So <laughs> we I, were taking I, the I, I take the segment about as seriously as you'd always do. You have no idea how seriously I take it, obviously. I hate like it's it's quite quite common for Adam to ask for a number on the worryometer. One of you guys to him haw around yep, and I say agree. nothing. No, I agree. and then me no, to give no, a number. Not me. Scott. Both, you're you're talking about you're talking about Scott White. No, you do it too. You did it yesterday like six times. In fact, yesterday no. I was like, worryometer, 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 because you weren't giving a number. Let's get into the show. Jose Ramirez hit two home runs yesterday, and I want to know who's the next Jose Ramirez. Someone that surprises us, kind of comes out of nowhere. I don't know if that's fair to say about Jose Ramirez. Becomes a star. So I'm going to ask Chris and Heath. I asked you people on Twitter to see uh, what you thought. We got some answers. We're going to talk about. Marco Gonzalez with another good start. Definitely got to talk about Jesse Winker. Of course, we have to talk about Greg Bird, right? I mean, we have to. Um, we have we really, really don't. We do. Thoriometer Thursday. Really do not. Thoriometer Thursday with uh, Johnny Cueto, Dylan Bundy, a couple others. Uh, let's see. Carlos Rodon, Luke Weaver. They were good yesterday. We got some emails at fantasybaseball@cbsi.com. Here we go. Who's the next Jose Ramirez? Right now, he's the number one hitter in fantasy. How did you approach this exercise, and what are your answers? I think Chris did not approach this exercise. Well, you sent me the text message while I was driving. You don't know the, the difference between email. emails and text messages. It's not the first time. That <laughs> it was an email. It was an email. Uh-huh. Either way. I, I, I'm looking mostly I, – I think you can look at it a couple different ways. There are guys that are starting to show signs, or maybe somebody might even say have almost done this already. One of them – that's come out of nowhere and kind of fits because he has that multi-position eligibility that Ramirez had at the beginning and still has a little bit. Max Muncy. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely, like, don't really about come out of nowhere. The Athletics just let this guy go yeah. or trade him for nothing. And he's just crushing the baseball. 
And I think there is a chance, like right now he's a 276 hitter. I still think there's a chance that we see a slight improvement like we've seen from Ramirez this year where he improves that strikeout rate even more. If he gets up to where he's a 300 hitter, he's already at right now a 416 on base guy with a 276 average and a 285 Babbitt. So Max Muncy, so you, you're buying Max Muncy, let's say more than you were buying Chris Taylor a year ago? Yes. Yeah, because one thing we talked about with Chris Taylor was there were, there were certain things that he was doing that we felt very confident weren't going to last. Like the BABIP was way too high for Chris Taylor during most of last year's breakouts. In fact, I think we even said that Whit Merrifield seemed slightly more believable than Chris Taylor did. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. the one thing that Taylor has now that Muncie doesn't is the speed. Muncie's not going to steal any bases for you. But like everything else he does looks like an incredible hitter. The walk rate almost as high as the strikeout rate. His hard contact rate is ridiculous. But what's maybe more ridiculous than that is the fact that he's got a 12% soft contact rate. Like I don't know. Let's just say this. Unless this is just an incredibly long hot streak now where he's just seen the ball better than anybody sees it, you don't fail if you walk almost a fifth of the time, you don't strike out more than 25% of the time, and you have batted ball data like this. Okay, that's great. Max Muncy. And I think one of the hard things in this exercise, you might just want to throw it out, is finding someone who's going to be able to steal the bases that Ramirez does. Like, his power-speed combo is crazy. But he, he's got 27 homers and 19 steals. Um, any other names, guys, that, that you uh, thought might fit this description? So one thing that makes that question a little tricky to answer is that the Indians didn't realize that Jose Ramirez was going to be Jose Ramirez. And so finding a guy who comes out of nowhere the way he did is hard. So I'll go with a guy that we've talked about for a long time, top prospect for years, who hasn't lived up to that expectation, and that's David Dahl, who is still eventually going to get to play every day at Coors Field, we assume. Still has the power and speed combination that you talked about with Jose Ramirez. Still has the batting average potential, especially playing in Coors. You know, I don't know if Jose Ramirez is the right comp, but we've seen Charlie Blackman make that kind of leap with Coors Field at his back. So David Dahl's a very talented player who just hasn't worked out yet. All right, Heath, I know you had a couple more if you want to just uh, tell me who real quick, and then we'll go through the listener suggestions. Yeah, I think I, I have a couple that, and Chris has talked about one of these guys that may be making a leap. Again, we don't have the stolen bases, but a Eugenio Suarez. And then Javi Baez. Okay. Yeah, Eugenio Suarez is good. Um, Javi Baez. So there are a couple of other Cubs and Reds that were suggested by the listeners. Scooter Jeanette and Ian Happ. Are those, are, is like Happ too high end to, for, to fit this description? <sighs> prospect wise? Not anymore. No, I mean, yeah, if he, true. if he, if David Dahl isn't, he isn't. Yeah, I, I love the Ian Happ one. Yeah, Javi Baez is, is really doing, Javi Baez is having a great season. Um, Johan Camargo was suggested by a few people. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know that I see that one. Uh, one by, Philip suggested Kebrian, Kebrian Hayes, Pirates third base prospect, who is Charlie Hayes' son. So I really just wanted to mention that. Uh, a few twins were mentioned. Eduardo Escobar, Jorge Polanco, and Eddie Rosario, who's doing it right now. Um, do you see any superstar potential for Eduardo Escobar, Jorge Polanco, or Eddie Rosario? Not necessarily, but you that's know, kind of the point of the exercise. Yeah, nobody saw that with Jose Ramirez either. Right. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, 
Uh, Nick Castellanos. Yeah, those are two that are, you know, doing it right now. Not Jose Ramirez levels, but Jesus Aguilar's been like a top four first baseman this year, I think. Well, and in fairness to Eddie Rosario, he's, like, he's, he's done it for basically almost a full season now, right? Yeah. yeah. The second half of last year and the first half of this year. Yes, definitely. And, uh, Jamer Candelario, that's another good one. I like that suggestion. See, I, and that's the thing about Rosario, or Candelario. Like, if he just has, like, the power breakout that no one thinks is going to happen, that would be very similar to Jose Ramirez. Cause I certainly didn't think this type of power was possible from Ramirez a year ago. Right. Uh, Manuel Margot, last one I'll read. Manuel Margot. There are some really interesting, I was looking up, uh, recent batted ball trends. And Manuel Margot, I think, is like fifth in baseball over the last 30 days in hard hit rate. Uh, he had a good second half last year. He he remains interesting. Okay. So some names maybe for you Dynasty League owners to kind of keep in mind is they're probably owned, but uh, maybe there's a lot of potential there. You want to include them in a trade. Margot, David Dahl, guys like that. All righty. So, you know, we, we spent about 10 minutes on that. That means if we're going to get to the fantasy regulators – we got to pick it up. Let's get to Wednesday standouts. Heath, you've been gone so long. Start us off with a Wednesday standout. I think everybody knows who I'm going to say. It's Carlos Rodon. Seven shutout innings with seven strikeouts. His catcher said he's already an ace. That's that's a little bit of uh, hyperbole. <laughs> but I certainly believe he has ace upside to do this on a more regular basis. He is the White Sox ace. I think that's what he meant. I think he meant he's an ace in baseball. 60% owned Carlos Rodon. That's ridiculous. Is it? I mean, he's got 17 walks of 35 strikeouts in 43 innings. He was kind of, he hadn't pitched for a year, year and a half. Uh, wait, no, he didn't miss all of last year. Okay, a year. Uh, <laughs> so, look, uh, I'd, I'd pick him up if he were available. Uh, Carlos Rodon, 60% owned. The end of last year's last seven starts, he had a 329 ERA. Only 11 walks and 38 and a third, 36 strikeouts. That's the big number, obviously, is the walks. So good start for him. Uh, he is probably – I don't know if he's at the head of the pack with the fringy starting pitchers. We can talk about them right now. Um, there's Luke Weaver, who had his second good start in a row. There's Rodon, Jordan Zimmerman, Vince Velasquez, who's 68% owned. Sonny Gray, Tyler Malley, Lance Lynn, and then Freddie Peralta, who's 89% owned, but I put him in this group. So I said a lot of guys there. Peralta, I'll just take the ones that I think are at the top. Peralta, Weaver, Rodon, Velasquez, and Zimmerman. Who are your three favorites there? You mean to repeat it again? I'll repeat it again for the sake of the listeners. Freddie Peralta, Carlos Rodon, Luke Weaver, Vince Velasquez, Jordan Zimmerman, your three favorites. Peralta, Rodon, Velasquez. Rodon, Velasquez, Weaver. Peralta, Rodon, Velasquez, Rodon, Velasquez, Weaver. So, wow, so Peralta's the most owned, Heath, and you like Rodon, Velasquez, and Weaver all ahead of him. Yeah, I, and it's just, I, we've, I've been a little suspicious of the way that Freddie Peralta's done things when he's been really good. He is a, one of those guys, I guess, the spin on his fastball is much more impressive than the velocity on his fastball. He has, from time to time, started to mix in those secondary pitches more. But I feel like he is the most likely to just not be usable in the second half. Freddie, Freddie Peralta has a little bit of Fernando Romero 
to me. I, I see exactly what you're saying. But, Chris, you had him number one on that list, ahead of Rodon, ahead of Velasquez. I mean, he has a better minor league track record than any of those guys. He's been better so far in the majors than any of those guys. That, that, true. That's not necessarily – that doesn't necessarily mean it will be sustainable. He does have the issues that you guys are talking about. He's essentially a one-pitch pitcher. He throws his fastball like 80% of the time, and that is – Antithetical to the modern game. Well, like Rodon's a two-pitch pitcher. Right. And that's part of his problem. He needs one more pitch. Right, but it's easier to get away as a one or two-pitch pitcher as a righty than a lefty. Um, No, no, as a lefty than a righty. No. It's easier to get away with it as a lefty. I don't think so. Oh, really? I think it depends on what your two pitches are. Sure, it it depends on what your two pitches are, but in Rodon's case, like, he kills lefties. Lefties just can't hit him. And so teams don't really put lefties in their lineup against him. Yeah. I think it's tough to survive as a two-pitch pitcher regardless. You've got to have sure. amazing pitches. And Fulton Nevich is kind of like – we'll talk about him a little bit later. He He's pretty fastball dependent, but at least his fastball is like 98, you know, whereas Peralta's is 92. Uh, makes a big difference. Chris Archer, I think, has more or less gotten away without having a good third pitch because he's had such a great fastball and an amazing slider. But that is something I always look at, right-handed pitchers and their arsenals. And I was a little worried about Peralta. He had a terrible start yesterday. I'm not dropping him. He's earned he's earned more leash, 50 strikeouts and 37 and a third. But also for Peralta, three straight starts with three walks, and that's a bit of an issue for him. I, right. I will yeah, say on, mo- on most of my teams, not entirely, but on, on most of my teams, if I saw Rodon, Velasquez, Weaver, or Peralta on the waiver wire, I'd be trying to add them. And I don't think they're available in really any of our leagues. Well, you know, I picked up Weaver last week, and he's now 74% on our podcast league. He had a great start at San Francisco. Now he's had a great start at the White Sox. The bottom line is he's had a really pretty bad year, and these were good matchups. So I hope Weaver's more than a matchup guy. He's worth owning in case he is more than a matchup guy, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that Weaver had been pretty bad, and I totally understand anyone who dropped him before those two starts. Right? I mean, we all kind of see yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, back from the star- fringes. And by, I don't feel that way about Sonny Gray. He has like a two ERA against Baltimore, and it's like over six against everyone else. So, <laughs> gonna have to see a lot more from him. Uh, alright, back to the, uh, standouts. Chris, who stood out to you on Wednesday? Um, so this is, I really want to talk about Chris Sale. Uh, even though there's not much fantasy actionable stuff there because everybody owns him and starts him but we have never seen a chris sale like this yeah we've seen a chris sale get strikeouts like this he's throwing harder than he did as a reliever wow and i don't know if that has really bubbled to the surface of baseball discourse yet um <laughs> bubbled to the surface. he is that. averaging 98.1 miles per hour uh with his four seam fastball in the month of july he was at 97.7 in the month of June, the highest he's ever had as a starter before that was like 95.7. As a reliever, it was 97.7. So we've never seen Chris Sale throw this hard. And he has like 78 strikeouts in his last seven starts or something crazy like that. Yeah. Career high strikeout rate for Sale just ahead of last year. It was 12.9. Now it's 13.1 per nine. And, uh, you know, in terms of fantasy relevance, I can say that I own Sale in one league. And I'm in second place, but I could use some pitching depth. So I was talking to uh, another owner who really wants sale, and we talked about 
his Chris Archer and Lance McCullers for my Chris Sale, I don't think I want to do it. And that's a heck of a haul. Yeah. But Sale is so good. Sale is so good in a Roto League. His strikeouts allow me to start Marco Gonzalez and Marcus Stroman and not have to worry about being bad in strikeouts. Like he is so good that you can, you can start non-strikeout pitchers with more confidence. I mean, he has 188 strikeouts already this season. I think he has the second most ever before the All-Star. Uh, I don't know. I think Nolan Ryan has that record, but worth looking into. Uh, alrighty. Uh, my, my standout is Marco Gonzalez. Seven scoreless innings, two, two, uh, hits, no walks, four strikeouts. Can he survive? Can he be a must-start guy? Can Marco Gonzalez be a must-start guy with a, this average strikeout rate? It's probably below average. It's right around average if you go by K percentage. Okay. Can he do it? I, you know, I, I think he's proven like you're not starting him at Fenway, but he's not pitching at Fenway again, and he's not pitching at Yankee Stadium. So I don't know that there's going to be too many matchups that you don't want to start Marco Gonzalez, considering he's had two good ones in a row against the Angels. What do you guys think? Well, the Angels are not a tough matchup against lefties. We discussed that That's true. before his last start. So I'm still probably not starting Marco Gonzalez at home against the Red Sox or Yankees. I'm not starting him at Houston or against the Astros at home. I wouldn't quite call him must-start, but I do believe that he's must-own, and I'm going to start him in probably 80% of his matchups. Right, there are 30 must-start pitchers, maybe, and 80 must-own pitchers. He fits in somewhere in that range, uh, you know, probably towards the higher end. Okay. But he, he, he doesn't have a huge strikeout rate, and there's no reason to think he will. He doesn't have, like... Any looming indicators, his swing strike rate is about average, maybe a little bit below. So he's not going to be a star. Um, but, like, the 341 ERA looks sustainable. By the way, I apologize for any audio issues you might be hearing. I heard that static as well. Uh, trying to work on that. So my apologies. Uh, two guys, I want to know if you're interested in picking them up. Jesse Winker, 30% owned. And in the last 20, in his last 38 games, it's actually kind of a long time now, somehow he's only the number 26 outfielder in points, number 28 in Roto. So outside the top 24 with a 10-10 OPS, an OPS just over 1,000. He's batting 330 with seven home runs, very low run scored total, 16 runs, and only five doubles and no steals. So maybe it's Babbitt, you know, he's got 348 Babbitt. But Winker is 30% owned. He often sits against lefties. And then Greg Bird is, I wish he was showing- Dimitri Dimitri Young? I wish he were starting, uh, start showing a little bit more, but he is walking a lot. Uh, he's got 16 walks in his last 22 games. His batting average is really bad, but his walk rate's great, his ISO is good enough, and he's homered in two straight games. So Winker's 30% owned, Greg Bird is 55% owned. Nickel and dime Nick Johnson? Would, I, I would, there was a Ridiculous. thing that happened on Twitter yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw it because you were busy flooding my mentions with reply alls. On purpose. But, on, on purpose, yeah. Do you, I, I, before we get to this new segment, I would just like you to know you're doing a disservice to all of our listeners. Why? Because you understand, you, you I mean, you've got more Twitter followers than I do. You have almost 40,000. You understand how difficult it is to make sure you answer people's questions and the the maze that it is to get through your mentions. And you're just adding more junk to my mentions, which makes it harder no. for me to see legitimate questions. No, yesterday which was makes different. it hard harder for me to answer them. Yesterday was different because I I was we were having a conversation 
and you were part of it, so I was including you in the mentions. I got four replies from you in a span of about 45 seconds, and none of them were conversations I had been a part of. But Mean Name Thursday, I just wondered which of these you prefer. Knock off Justin Bohr. Blue Light Special Lyle Overbay. Five Below Yonder Alonzo. How about you guys are dumb? How's that for me? Even name year Tuesday? Eric Hosmer. <laughs> Adam LaRoche with a better publicist. If anybody else walks 16 times <laughs> in 22 star games. Mitch Moreland. <laughs> Which you, of those you guys are so stupid. A- I, I, Kreeth is so stupid. I, you guys, like today, today is National Pecan Pie Day. And pecan pie is the grossest dessert. It's not even a dessert. It's, it's nuts. It's disgusting. It's like legit nuts. You guys are the pecan pie of friends right now. Thank you very much. You That's are dreadful. Delicious. I, I just hate you. No, like, I, I'm not getting super excited about Greg Bird. He hasn't done enough, but he's walking a lot. That's a great sign. He's hitting more fly balls recently. He had an 880 OPS when he was healthy in his career. Like, I, I don't know what else you want from him. He, you know what? He's been up with the bases loaded like a ridiculous amount of times, I think. Uh, because he's in the, he's on the Yankees. I know. I, I should double check that. That was the half, case at one point. Half off Derek Barton? Like, so dumb. Justin Bohr has an OPS under 800 and you act like he's so good. He has like a and 750 like, you OPS. Would drive, you would drive Greg Bird to Cooperstown in your car if he had an OPS of 780. I just read an article about how bad Justin Bohr has been this year and Don Mattingly explaining why Justin Bohr has struggled. And you don't even, you have Bohr blinders. You are a bigger homer than I am. How is that possible? Greg, Greg How is Bird that possible? Has a career, uh, nobody, nobody thinks that's true. Adam. Has a career 785 OPS. Yeah, has a take, take out the month OPS where he's playing with like a broken ankle. And how, he played with a broken OPS? ankle this year. He has a 764 OPS what, this year. All right. So anyway, you're not interested. What about Jesse Winker? I would love Jesse Winker, and I would start Jesse Winker if the Reds would start Jesse. I've probably written about Jesse Winker more this year than any other player in the waiver wire. I still think he's too low owned at 30%, even with his current playing time. But as long as the Reds are not giving hardly anyone consistent playing time, I I can't get on board. Yeah, with, I mean, it needs to be like 45%. I think they, there's, they could trade an outfielder, and that could help. But yeah, Winker, like he'd be a, much higher in the rankings lately if if not for these low run totals. Sixteen runs with a ten with a, a thousand OPS and sixteen runs in thirty eight games. That doesn't make any sense. All right, email of the day number one is from Jonathan in New Jersey. Hey, Costanza, Steinbrenner, and Harrison. Oh, those are Georges. I think you missed adding George Springer to the worryometer yesterday. He has a four seventeen OPS in the last thirteen days in the last thirty days. Where are you guys? Worryometer on George Springer. Zero. Well, I mean, we talked about him yesterday. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we mentioned him, and I just don't see any reason to be worried about George Springer. I wrote an article on CBSSports.com/fantasy yesterday. Oh, good. About we talk about it. Five hitters <laughs> that you should target to uh, carry your team to a championship in the second half, and George Springer was at the top of the list. There's no real reason that you can look at his numbers and say, "Oh, well, he's not George Springer anymore." Like, okay, the 249 average, but the underlying numbers that we Used to tell whether the skill set has declined. I don't see anything. The only thing that would make me say something higher than zero, and so I'll say like 1.5. We've talked a lot about how hard contact has just soared this year Mm -hmm. amongst Major League Baseball. His has actually gone down. It's at 33.9%, which is just below his career average, right about where he was in 2015 and 2016. His line drive rate is also 
just absurdly low at 15.2%. And the Astros have talked a lot about how he's beat up. He's not healthy. I hope over the All-Star break he gets some rest, but it does look like he's not making as good of contact as he has in the past. Okay. And uh Springer. <laughs> that's a, no, don't, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah well, it's true. It's just like his soft contact percentage is actually below his career rates. It's right where it was last year. The line drive rate is low, but he's popping up more. Those things fluctuate also. Thank like you for the, saying pop up. I'm going to move on because we're not really that worried about George Springer. Heath has him as a 1.5. Chris has him as a zero on the Springer worryometer. Email the day number two is from Adam from New York City. He says, Dear Adam and the non-zero chance. Oh, that's an interesting twist on the band name. You guys should regulate yourselves for a lack of fantasy regulator segment recently. It's my favorite segment. It needs to happen more often. All right, fine. We'll do one right now. We'll save the rest for later. I like this one. It's from Kenny. Kenny's grooving. He says... Wait, I want to get to it. Here he goes. All right, Kenny says... Dear Scott, Scott, and Scott. Oh, you're going to be very disappointed, Kenny. Scott's not on the show today. Uh, I'm in a head-to-head points league with unlimited ad drops. I was trying to buy low on George Springer and initially offered Jed Lowry. The other guy declined that offer and counter-offered for Sir Anthony Dominguez for his George Springer. I snap accepted the trade. Since I realized this trade would likely get vetoed, I added and dropped players over and over again to push the veto notification down in the activity feed. The trade ended up processing. I imagine a lot of players never saw the trade in order to veto. Is this genius or foul play? I'd like to see what the regulators have to say. It's brilliant. Genius. Absolutely wonderful. And this is what we have to do when we're faced with stupid laws in society is find a way legally to circumvent them. I commend you, Kenny. (laughs) All right. Good job. It's been regulated. Moving on. Uh should probably start doing some news and notes at some point, right? But I also got to tell you about the SeatGeek app. It's on my phone every time I need tickets. I am using SeatGeek. SeatGeek. And if – yeah, I am a SeatGeek. And uh, if you want tickets and you want 20 bucks off your first purchase, why don't you go ahead and use the promo code FANTASY on the SeatGeek app. You search for an event. You buy your seats. You use the code FANTASY. You get 20 bucks off your first purchase. So, look, I use it for sports all the time, college basketball, college football, Yankees, Giants, Knicks, anything. I've also used it for Foo Fighters tickets. Uh, I think one or two other concerts I used it for. So you can use it for comedy, theater, any any type of purchase you want, basically, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. Go ahead and search for an event. SeatGeek's going to search multiple sites so you don't have to do that work. Bring you the best results. Rate every ticket based on value. You can see the best deals. You can see the best bang for your buck. And use that code. Fantasy for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. People email me all the time. They love the app. It's really easy to use. Again, promo code is Fantasy. Get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Uh, Houston sent Ken Giles to Triple A. Do you consider Hector Rondon to be their closer? I do. Yes. Yes. Own him. Brian Dozier has three home runs in four games. People are noticing he's starting to Dozier. So uh, let's keep it up. Gene Segura and Jesus Aguilar won the final vote for the All-Star spots. The home run derby field has been announced. I don't like it. I uh I don't like that there's only one American League player. I think that's weird. I cuz I root for the AL guys like I don't really care. I don't I probably won't even watch it. But I don't like this. Alex Bregman and seven NL guys. This is a failure. This is a pecan pie of home run derbies. Well, you know who to blame. 
Greg Bird. The Yankees. Because they wouldn't, uh, yeah, you're right, Greg Bird, is, Bird is the blame. That Bird should probably be in it. Uh, Chris Bryant came off the DL and he homered. Derek Rodriguez had to pitch in relief yesterday. If you had him in your lineup, you got a win. You got three scoreless innings and a win. He pitched in relief in an extra inning game. Noah Syndergaard starting today against, or tomorrow against the Nationals. Starter sit, Syndergaard? Start. Probably. I usually want to wait and see with guys coming off the DL, but it's Noah Syndergaard. Oh, Yoana Cespedes still has no timetable for a rehab assignment. Kevin Kiermeyer homered. Shane Green will be back tomorrow. Ian, Ke- oh yeah, Kevin Kiermeyer homered. I want to bring that up because we kind of talked about him being maybe a little under owned. He's 25% owned or so. And, uh, you know, maybe start hitting better now. Uh, Ian Kennedy on the DL. Delano DeShields and Rootnet Odor left with injuries. Didn't seem serious. Garrett Richards has UCL damage. This does seem serious. Maybe they should just go ahead with the Tommy John with Richards. Uh, James Paxton, if you started him this week, you caught a break because he will not be at Colorado tomorrow. He will be at the Angels today. Let's see what the start percentage is. 84%. So people were going to start Paxton uh, in one start at the Rockies. But you're getting the Angels instead. Hey, how about those Marlins? 5,265 fans yesterday. The smallest crowd in the seven-year history of Marlins Park. I would like to debate that. Would you? <laughs> well, hold on. Would you say they were counting crows? What? Check you put, your notes. You put oh, yeah, yeah. Notes. Miami's crow. Instead of crowd. Let's just say it was the smallest announced attendance. They have, I've been to two games at that park. One of those games definitely had fewer than 5,265 people in attendance. Well, this one probably did too. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, Travis Shaw left with an ankle injury, but not considered serious. Shelby Miller left with elbow tightness, and he just had Tommy John. And Carlos Correa is nearing a return. Alright, uh, I think we talked about the fringy starting pitchers. Quick thoughts on Jordan Zimmerman. You know, Zimmerman gave up one run through six innings. And then he gave up three more in the seventh. Eleven hits total, two homers at Tampa Bay. It was looking like a pretty good start, though. 53% owned. I still view him more as like a matchup-dependent streamer. I don't believe he's must-own. Jordan. No, I don't. I don't think anybody's ever said he's must-own. Yeah. At all. And I'm fine dropping Lance Lynn. I mean, I started Obviously, him this yes. week, and yeah, he's not good. No, he he did not have a very good start, but uh, got the win and 14 fantasy points. He got more fantasy points than Luke Weaver. They were my two favorite like one-start streamers, and Weaver pitched so much better. But he got a loss, and Lynn got a win. Yeah, wins and losses are. So dumb. Yeah, in in points leagues, they really like. I I think that I would like wins to be fewer than seven points, but uh, that's part of the philosophy with the one start streamers. I know they're tough to predict, but you got a guy going against the Royals, you got a pretty good win chance, unless he's like on the White Sox or something. All right, eight emails in four minutes. Here we go. You're on the clock, guys. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. This is from Brandon, dear Edwin, Mitch, Nelson, and Gene. The Beatles. <laughs> Uh, I need to drop, uh, two outfielders. Brantley, Billy Hamilton, Hanniger, Polanco, Soto, and Yelich. Alright, we're keeping Yelich, we're keeping Soto, we're keeping Brantley. So, which one of these three are you keeping in a categories league? Head-to-head categories. Billy Hamilton, Mitch Hanniger, Gregory Polanco. Hanniger's the best of the bunch, uh, but Billy Hamilton is starting to run again he has 13 steals since june 1st you don't have a ton of steals with those other three outfielders so you might be inclined to keep him if not it's mitch hanniger 
Right. That's why it's somewhat of a tough call. Um, all right, here's an email from Neil. Wants to know your thoughts on Trevor Story. Story's having a really good year, guys. He's fifth in points. He's sixth in roto at shortstop. His road numbers are still terrible, but I think they're getting better. He's slugging 393 on the road. Crushing lefties this year. Amazing at home. 721 slugging at home. Trevor Story. And he's got a career high in steals. 12 steals, but uh, five of them did come in March, April, rather. All right, your thoughts on Story. Yeah, I think the question was, should I sell high, buy high, or just hold? I would look at him as more of a hold. I still think with his profile and the, the, cutting the strikeout rate in the first half of the season is definitely encouraging. I still think he's the type of player that could just have a disastrous month. So I wouldn't be buying high. He has improved. Like his contact rate is way up. His swinging strike rate is way down. There are legitimate reasons to be encouraged, especially because he's been able to do that without sacrificing power. Um, but we see guys, Giancarlo Stan, actually a great example of someone who went an entire season cutting his strikeout rate, you know, even less than Trevor Story has, and he hasn't been able to sustain that. So it, it's not necessarily the new norm for Trevor Story, so I wouldn't go out and buy him, but I, I'm fine holding. All right, this is an email from Tony from a city that's not Tampa or St. Louis. All right, New York? No, we could do better than that. Minneapolis. Good evening, Rocco, Carl, and Damon. I feel like those yeah, that's are the Rays. Rays outfielders, yeah. Uh, I have Jack Flaherty. Should I drop him for Nate Evaldi? No. Moving on. No, no. I, I, I like Evaldi, but I like Flaherty a lot more. Uh, Ronald says, uh, 12-team head-to-head points keeper league. Rest of season, would you keep Michael Conforto or Mark Trumbo? Conforto can be kept at $5 next year. Trumbo for one. Conforto. 100%. Conforto. From Jim, would you drop Samarja for Tim Anderson? I think he may have meant Tyler Anderson. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine dropping Samarja. I've done that in a few leagues, uh, but I don't see any reason to add Tim Anderson. If it's Tyler Anderson, he's done a lot of interesting things lately, and that's fine. I still think I'd rather have Jeff Samarja than Tyler Anderson. His first start back was encouraging in that he only walked one batter. Yeah, the strikeouts weren't there yet, but I think there's more upside with Samarja. So, so sorry about the audio issues, people. We um we actually paused the podcast to uh try to fix it again. So uh it's been it's been an adventure, but uh I don't know what to say other than I'm sorry and thank you for sitting through it. Uh this is from Nick. Is it safe to start Tyler Skaggs tonight against the Mariners? Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's a that's one I'm going out of my way to avoid. Jesse wants to know if you think that Anthony DiSclefani could be worth using rest of season. He hasn't been good yet, uh, <laughs> but I definitely I I am interested in his skill set. Uh, he showed some stuff the last time he was a full time starter, which was a while ago. Yeah, all right, DiSclefani maybe kind of a sleeper. Uh, Jesse also says, "P.S. Don't talk to me about sushi." If you're rating your favorite cereals or defending peeps or ho-hos or whatever, I guess we're not sophisticated enough for sushi. I, well, like, I eat sophisticated things. Peeps are trash. Ho-hos are mostly trash. Cereals are terrible for you. Are ho-hos the the pink ones? I think they're the brown ones with the swirl in the middle. Those are Swiss rolls. I could go out, like, I could go out for, like, a dinner date with my wife. You know, we just had our anniversary. And if they said you can either have sushi or ding-dongs or ho-hos or whatever, I would take the candy. Oh, no, ho-hos are Swiss rolls. Over sushi every every day of the week. Okay. Uh, The last thing, PPS, The Last Jedi was so bad, it's been downhill since the Empire Strike Back, and Disney will only continue to make it worse. 
I, I will say The Last Jedi, if you're not a Star Wars person and you're just watching a random movie for entertainment's sake, was fine. I enjoyed it okay. It's just the most of the people from the actual Star Wars franchise were terrible. This is the thing. We discussed The Last Jedi yesterday, the day before. At no point did we ask, hey, listeners, what did you think of The Last Jedi? Hey, they're allowed. And yet. They're allowed. And yet. Every time. But this is what happens. Anytime you say, I like The Last Jedi. Actually, and it's like <laughs> we just liked it. Let us like it. All right. Well, I didn't see it, so I hate it. Uh, this is from Kurt. Head-to-head categories league with uh, a bunch of categories. Vince Velasquez is coming off my DL. Who would you drop? Velasquez, Gibson, Hap, Strowman, or Archer? I'll say Gibson. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. You can't put Archer in this conversation, Kurt. You know, nope. you just you know, no. Don't don't think about dropping him. All right, it's Thuriometer Thursday. How thurried are you? How worried are you about Dylan Bundy? Start with him. Dylan Bundy. Zero to ten. Heath, show him how it's done. Uh, this is a really tough one because it, it, so, it can vary so much depending on what your expectations for Dylan Bundy were slash are. A start like this doesn't necessarily worry me. Three out of four, though, it's pretty concerning. I will say a six. Okay, six for Dylan Bundy, Chris. It just makes me wonder if he's not healthy. Yeah. I I will remind everyone, Dylan Bundy had a three-start stretch where he gave up 19 earned runs in nine innings and nine home runs. And people were pretty thurried about him. And then his next eight starts, he went with a 260 ERA. He was outstanding. Then he went on the DL. He's kind of a healthy pitcher version of Greg Bird. No. Like, he has these stretches where he looks amazing. He has stretches where he's completely unownable, but he's thrown 384 innings and he's got a 4190 ERA and a 452 FIP. That's yeah. like Yeah, but, but Greg Bird has 380 plate appearances. But it looks like Dylan Bundy was having a breakout season, you know. But I, he has looked like that before. I, I think he Yeah, that's true, but but he is he is that. inconsistent, but he has a 380 CR on the season. I I think that probably represents something close to his true talent level. Worryometer, thoriometer for Johnny Cueto. Wait a second. We're going back for just a moment. Okay. Because, like, we have all of these different peripherals for mm-hmm. his career, for last year. The one number that's below four mm-hmm. is this sample size from this year and Sierra. Mm-hmm. Not FIP, not XFIP, not ERA. Mm-hmm. Why would we think that that one number out of the dozen others is the one that's most representative of his true talent level? All right. He has... A 25.7% strike rate, a 7.7% walk rate. So above average control, well above average strikeout rate. Gives up a lot of home runs. I think he's probably given up more home runs than we should expect. And so I, I just, I'm more optimistic. Okay. But it's not probably fair to say that that one number out of the other, other 12 is the one that is most representative of his talent level. That's what I think is most representative of his talent level. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find, uh, here it is. <laughs> when you argue with with Chris. You know what that is, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Gumble to gumble, baby. I love it. All right, Johnny Cueto on the thoriometer. Two. Yeah, two seems exactly right. Okay. Mike Fultonevich on the thoriometer. Having a great season, but two bad starts in a row, allowing... Five earned runs in six innings or six and two-thirds in one of them in each. So ten earned runs in 12 and two-thirds over his last two starts. Mike Fultonevich. 
I just worry if he's going back to being the more hittable, disappointing guy that he was before, but we still have more evidence that he's not that this season, so I'll, I'll still go with like a three. I will say five if you thought that Mike Fultonevich was taking a quasi-ace turn. What uh, do you – how would you rank them? Cueto – is it Cueto, Bundy, Fultonevich? Yes. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Did anybody see – Cueto's velocity from last night. No. Worth looking at because it was pretty low. I mean, it's been low all year, but it was very low in his first start off the DL. Anybody want to do that? Chris will have it I'm shortly. I'm looking He's, it up you. right now. It's in, like, I'm surprised that he didn't just have it in his brain. <laughs> but he will have it for us very quickly. All right, let's see what else we got. Uh, we will have time for regulators. So four up. Some hitters who have been hitting well either lately or yesterday. Justin Smoke, last five games, he's eight for 18 with three home runs and uh, two doubles. He is the number 18 first baseman in points, number 28 in Roto. It's a little bit deceiving uh, for, for Smoke, 18th in points, 28th in Roto, because there are so many players who are eligible at first base that you're not necessarily playing at first base. So don't consider him necessarily as the 18th best first baseman. Uh, that said, you know, Smoke's kind of frustrating. He hasn't been that great. What do you guys think about Smoke? Over the last 365 days, he's hitting 242 uh, with an 828 OPS. In 2018, he's hitting 242 with an 831 OPS. Yeah. I, I think that's probably who Justin Smoke is. So he's an older, slightly better Greg Bird. <laughs> yeah, he's slightly, uh, slightly. I mean, they have similar skill sets. He walks a lot, Ju- Justin Smoke. He's 84% yeah, I- owned. Yeah, I think he's in that, I, I think he's always been in that like 16 to 25 range at first base. I would, he's, he's not going to kill you if you start, if you're starting him. He's not going to make a huge difference. Uh, most of the time he'll go on stretches where he does and he'll go on stretches where he hurts you. But, you know, looking around the, the landscape, I would take Jesus Aguilar over him right now. I think he's a better hitter. Oh, yeah. Would you take Ian Desmond or Justin Smoke? Justin Smoke. And that says more about Ian Desmond. Man. Desmond did it again yesterday, though. I know. Good for I him. Know. And he steals. I, Chris is just going to keep, and I, and I, like, what Chris is saying. If he has the, like, right. if he has the highest home run to fly ball ratio ever, and that's what buries my pessimism, like, that's fine. I, I would say that if Justin Smoke was on the waiver wire and I owned Ian Desmond, I would not be able to drop Ian Desmond for Justin Smoke. Yeah, and I actually have the same exact, yeah, same exact dilemma. That exact sure. dilemma. Right. It's like I don't buy Desmond particularly in a points league, but he keeps producing. For me, it's less about like buying or selling Ian Desmond, and it's more about like I'm not going to miss Justin Smoke if I don't add him. Quick thoughts on Mike Moustakas. He homered twice yesterday after he was on Worryometer Wednesday. He had been ice cold. I I don't really have many thoughts. He's a low-end number one third baseman. That's exactly what he's been this year. Ozzy Albies, uh, last 28 days, he's a top 15 hitter. With a 379 batting average, only four home runs, but he's really a, a kind of a doubles, triple, well, doubles machine. But Albies hit two home runs yesterday. He's he's good. Yeah, he's very good. I hope you did not jump ship when he struggled. We knew he'd struggle. You know, we knew he'd come back down to earth, but he's back to uh, being hot. Carlos Gonzalez, guys, he's 46% owned. He had a nice June, 286, two home runs. Okay. And so far in July, 323 with three home runs, including two yesterday. Carlos Gonzalez, 46% owned. I think he's an entirely a product, of course, at this point in his career. And so if you're playing in a daily league and they're at home, I think you can start him. 
And I don't even mind having him in a five outfielder league on my bench. I'm just I'm going to start him the weeks where he has three or more games at Coors, and I'm going to sit him if he's on the road all week. Carlos Gonzalez is his batting average at home is 320. His slugging percentage on the road is 361. So 41 points separating his home batting average and his road slugging percentage. Uh, I'm just going to skip around here. I do want to talk about Nomar Mazzara, but I think we can probably save that for tomorrow. He's been kind of struggling lately. And in fact, last 28 games, he has a 626 OPS. Austin Meadows, though, I think you probably want to drop him. He's 52% owned. He's barely playing, and he hasn't really been playing well since he a hasn't hot start. really done anything since like his first week in the yeah. majors. Yeah, so Meadows is over-owned. I'm just going to say this just to get the answer I want from you guys. Would you drop Austin Meadows for Greg Bird? No, what? I would. I would drop him for somebody better than. Me. <laughs> yeah, there's probably someone that I, you know, Justin Smoke might be out there. No, he's not. He's 84 percent out. Justin Bohr might be out there. He might be out there. And I did drop uh, Greg Bird to keep Justin Bohr when I had to make that decision. You'll be happy to know. Uh, six man rotation. We talked about Sale. Jacob Degrom is amazing, and he's the 11th best pitcher in baseball in points, 10th in Roto, and he That's- leads. In That's ERA. just stupid. Yeah. That's just stupid. That's Again, just wins. Eight scoreless innings and a no decision. I think that's the fourth time he's gone. I think it's the fourth time he's gone seven innings with no runs allowed and doesn't have a win. Rank these four. Lance McCullers, Carlos Carrasco, Kenta Maeda, Gio Gonzalez. Lance McCullers, Carlos Carrasco, Kenta Maeda, Gio Gonzalez. Carrasco, McCullers, Maeda, Gonzalez. Yes. Carrasco, McCullers, Maeda Gonzalez. You want to know the one disagreement I'd have with you? Maeda and Gonzalez. Oh, no. McCullers and Carrasco. Yeah, I'd put McCullers ahead of Carrasco. You hate Carlos Carrasco. It's well documented. A little bit, but I really like Lance McCullers. I had a terrible start yesterday, but he's had a really nice year. Yeah, I, I think he's just – he is the type of pitcher who is going to go through stretches like this, I think, because he relies so much on his breaking ball. The control can come and go. As far as Maeda goes, like it's kind of a shame the innings aren't there because he's doing some really good things. He has four straight starts with nine strikeouts. He's really good. Yeah, uh, he's it's just not, not going to be. Yeah, it's just not clear if he can pitch long enough. Yeah. Deep leagues. Anyone under owned here? Dan Straley, Ryan Yarbrough, Herman Marquez, Jake Cave. Dan Straley, Ryan Yarbrough, Herman Marquez, Jake Cave. Straley, Yarbrough, and Marquez are about twenty percent owned. Cave is two percent owned. Uh, he is he playing every day? No, he sits against lefties. Yeah, so he's probably about where he should be in ownership just because he's not mixed league. He's probably only uh, AL only, but, you know, 2% is, if you're not every day, even in AL only. I am trying to look because Yarbrough is really weird. They, they've stretched him out, and then they have seemed to have pulled back on the reins mm-hmm. here recently. And I don't know, I, I know there were a couple of times where that meant he was pitching more often. And that does look to be the case in July at least. He pitched on the 3rd, the 6th, and the 11th. So I, I still think he's going to have some value as a, not really a SPARP, but kind of a SPARP. Yeah, the, the problem there is you're just, you're very rarely ever going to get a win or a quality start. You, you probably won't get it. He has two quality starts on the year, I think. So that's, that's the, that's the issue that's holding him back is like, you know, we've talked about Jose Arana is pitching really well this year, but he's just never going to get wins. So it doesn't, it, it limits his ceiling that Yarbrough's not even going to get quality starts. 
Yarbrough entered yesterday as the number 83 pitcher in Roto, just overall pitcher, starter or reliever. That was before he got a win yesterday, I'm pretty sure, and he got, gave three scoreless innings. I don't know if he got a win, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, okay, here's someone who's overowned. Ready? Sitting down? Josh Hader is overowned. Talk about the way they've been using him. They haven't used Josh Hader effectively enough. He has not pitched more than an inning and two-thirds. Uh, well, 11 of his last 12 appearances have been an inning and two-thirds or less. So since in in those 12 appearances, since May 30th, he's not even a top 200 pitcher. He just doesn't have the Like, use Josh Hader more, Brewers. He's 80% owned. He doesn't get saves anymore. He doesn't get wins anymore. Yeah, probably not a, a starter in points leagues. Anymore. I kind of thought after his last appearance, when they didn't use him for four days, and then he threw three innings, and then they didn't use him again for five days, that maybe what I had been hoping for all year, they were going to start stretching him out. But we don't really have enough evidence to think that's what's going on. I also wonder if maybe he was wearing down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, 18 innings in April, 15 in May, and then 8 and 2 thirds in June. That That seems like a pretty clear trend, and... This is a Brewers team that's going to the playoffs, and we know how pitchers like Josh Hader get used in the playoffs now. He might throw, you know, seven innings in a series. Is there any chance they don't go to the playoffs? Like, what if, what if we get three teams out of the East? Or two out of the West? There's definitely a chance they, they don't, they don't make the playoffs. They're only a game and a half up in their division. They're, they're four clear of the, of the two oh, leading teams in the East. But yeah, somebody it's could get race. hot. Yeah, it's a race. All right, let's regulate, everybody. The fantasy regulators are here. Please put fantasy regulators in your subject line. Fantasy regulators in your subject line, or I might miss the email, and then I'd have to regulate myself. And let's do it. Eric in Tampa. Hey, Pedro, Jimmy, Chase, and Ryan. The Beatles. That was the Phillies infield at one point, right? Yeah. I can't remember Pedro. Very good. All right, I'm in a 15-player keeper league where you can keep – Maximum nine hitters or nine pitchers. The Otani owner is complaining that he should be a hitter now because of the injury. However, I as Kamish think Otani should be a pitcher since that's his primary position. What are your thoughts? Uh, you're playing on I, – I would assume if you're playing on our site, he has dual eligibility. And this is a situation that I hadn't thought of because if you're – Ugh. I think he should be able to keep him as a hitter or a pitcher. He just has to declare. Pedro Feliz. He has Thanks to declare? Alright, so well, actually, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, very similar thing happened to me in a league. I picked up Otani. So somebody drafted Otani, and when they drafted him, they had to declare all year long for that roster, pitcher or hitter. They declared pitcher, obviously. Dropped him. I picked him up. And... I was told I can use him as a hitter. I just had to declare him hitter rest of year. The rest of the league got very angry. Uh, the rest of the league got upset about it. Said, "Hey, if I had known he was able to be a, a hitter, I would have bid on him as well." This was a fab. So we decided. The commissioner decided, but we were totally fine with it. We gave Otani back. We put him back on waivers, and nobody can use him as a hitter rest of season. You can only pick him up as a pitcher. I mean, if you have a league like this where you we can only keep a certain numbers of hitters or pitchers, I think. You're going to have to decide when you decide on your keepers that you're keeping him as a hitter from that point forward. I think it just counts for both. Well, they have a max number of hitters and a max number of pitchers that you can keep. Yeah, I think it counts for both. So they only get to keep they get to keep one less player than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. 
I mean, that's the, the but the value of having a guy like that is that you have two that's two players in one take. roster spot. Yeah, that's odds are he's just a hitter next year. Maybe. Um. All right, let's go to our next one. Ready? Here we go. No, odds are he's out for the season next year. This is from Arthur. This has already occurred, so it's for future reference. There was an agreed trade. A chunk of people, though not a majority, thought it wasn't a great trade. One of the players was just gotten off the waiver wire. The other is Jake Arietta, who is not playing very well. The person who proposed the trade regretted offering it. He began to recruit vetoes. And a few owners in the group chat were persistently talking about how the trade needed to be vetoed. Eventually, the owner who accepted the proposed trade offered to also veto if the trade partner requested it, and he did. Thus, there were enough vetoes to kibosh the trade. So it seems like everybody was pretty much on board. No foul play, no collusion. The trade was defensible on its face. Broadly, though, what rules should apply when considering a veto? And second, how uh, how down one trade part? What uh, how does one trade partner wanting to back? Oh, how does one trade partner wanting to back out affect the analysis? Let me rephrase the question, just in case people missed it. A trade went down. There was immediate regret. Both parties thought it's okay to veto it, so it got vetoed. What do you guys think? I think the only way that a trade should be backed out is if both parties agree. I don't think that should happen. You shouldn't hit accept if you're not willing to accept a trade. I don't think the considerations of the rest of the league should matter. It should only be the two people involved. I don't strongly disagree, but I do think you guys are a little bit too anti-veto. Like, there is a time and a place for vetoes. Yeah, when they want to kick people out of the league. I think it's like... We don't play in mega high stakes leagues, but some people do. And if I had a thousand or more dollars on the line or something like that, and somebody made a dreadful trade and it influenced a lot of money, I would, I would be like, let's veto this thing. I would be like, let's kick that guy out of the league. I can't trust him to manage his team properly. Doesn't do anything for my money. Fine. Last email. John from Peoria, Illinois. Daily 12 team transit, 12 team daily transaction points league. Uh, I'm in second place. We have five bench spots and two DL spots. Currently beating up on the 11th place team should have no problem winning this week. I've noticed, though, that the 11th place team has three guys that are currently on the MLB DL that are not on his DL. They're on his bench. He should, in theory, put two on the DL and pick up two players. Having extra players in a daily points league is critical to winning weeks. Yes, I could definitely see that. Do I wait until Sunday after I secure my win to post on the message board to let him know? Do I message him privately on Sunday? Do I do nothing? I don't play this owner again this season, and he likely won't make the playoffs, but he's still changing his lineup daily. So this guy is not properly using his DL spots. Does John be a good Samaritan and reach out? Also, it's sort of like, you know, affecting the competitiveness of the league, competitiveness of the league. But this does come up. You know, sometimes guys aren't paying attention. You, you as a commissioner, you have to decide, what do I do? Do I step in? What, do, what would you guys do? Like, I, this is going to be not taken well, I'm sure. But, like, this is your opponent, right? Yes. And if you told him something he would do that would make his team better and help him, how is that different from collusion? Well. Like, maybe, maybe what would make it collusion would be that it's secret. And so if you did it on the message board, then it wouldn't be collusion. But you're not under any obligation to help him. I do understand it would give you a competitive advantage 
to make his team better for the rest of the season. But I would probably just never say anything to him. I don't, I think that it's okay for a commissioner, and in this case, John is not the commissioner, to jump in and say, hey, everybody, make sure you're setting your lineups, you know? But yes, this, this on the other hand, is a little bit different. I don't think you need to say anything. I would not say anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna let it go. Alright, let's take a look at, uh, today's matchups, if we could. And, do you guys by any chance have today's matchups? No. All right. Well, neither do I. I, I could pull them up. Yeah, pull quickly. them up because Mike, uh, you know, I have the worst computer in the world and it is failing me right now. So I'll let Heath, I'll let Chris host this segment. Heath, how was your week off? It was excellent. I went to SeaWorld. I went to three new breweries. <laughs> I, uh, spent about 12 total hours in a lazy river. It was nice. fantastic. Only three breweries, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had to do some fun stuff for the kid too. Trevor Cahill versus Charlie Morton. Yes, Morton, no Cahill. Robbie Ray versus Kyle Freeland in Coors Field. Nope. Nick Pavetta versus Baltimore's Nick Pavetta. Kevin Gosman. <laughs> Ooh, Heath, what do you think? I, uh, I am hesitant to start either one. I would start Pavetta. Okay. Wade Miley versus Jameson Tyone. Uh, Tyone. Yeah, I would start Tyone as well, but he's not better than Jose Brios. Jay Hap versus David Price. Identical 4.44 ERAs for Jay Hap and David Price. This game's in Boston? In Boston. At the home of the Red Sox. Heath, I, would start, Park. I would start Price. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd start Price. If he has a bad start here, that'd be three in a row. That'd be getting a little alarming. No Ooh. Hap, though. Hapless. Luis Severino. Yeah, this is the big one. At Corey Kluber. Yeah. Start, sit Kluber. Start them both. It's ridiculous. Start them both. Max Scherzer at Steven Matz. You know, the Nationals are just not very good offense, uh, but I don't think I want to start Matz. What do you guys think? I agree with that. Matz is more interesting than I think we've given him credit for. He is throwing his slider again, and that's something. But, yeah, I probably won't start him. Blake Snell at Kyle Gibson. Both? Both of these? Both. Yeah. Ross Stripling. Tyson Ross Stripling. Start them both. Oh, Sorry, no, I, uh, I'm no. down, I'm down on Tyson Ross. I'm gonna say. Yeah. Chris, what about you? J- I will start Ross Stripling. And not Ross, not Tyson Ross. James Paxton at Tyler Skaggs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Tyler Skaggs. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes. I knew I had, man, I'm hosting it. I had to do it. Love it. We're starting both. You're gonna Tyler Skaggs? Yeah, yes. I'm gonna, all right, yeah, we're all gonna Tyler Skaggs. Is that it? All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We'll be back Friday. To pre- well, we won't be previewing anything. So it's just the All-Star break. We're just going to take it easy for the next couple of weeks. Uh, no, not exactly. But we, we will be back <laughs> tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you then.